just pray. I'd like you to join me as we sing this song. Anamacho Imaragi that into a prayer this morning. Tell the Lord that sincerely in our choy maraya perhaps you don't understand Ibo here this morning. The song says that Lord I want to know you that I will not offend you. Can you beg him to grant you the help the grace not to offend him. Our God is full of love and compassion but our God is a consuming fire. He's the God of terror. Yet he's a loving God. Beg him. I want Lord to know you that I will not offend you. In Jesus' name we pray. Gracious Father, that is our heart cry this morning. Papa Neno Mogi, we are begging you, Father. We truly want to know you so that we will not offend you. Lord, that is what we want to find out. As we await your imminent return, Lord. We want to ask again that you will help us. Indeed, you have been helping us, Papa. Please help us again. What are the things that we yet need to learn to do? How are we missing it, Lord? Even as a gracious father lovingly rebukes and, and teaches his children the way. That's what we're begging you to do for us this morning. All of us, Papa. We need direction. We need your help. Grant that unto us. As we look into your word this morning, bless us with your presence and teach us even that which will bring us to eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray. Good morning, brethren. Please sit down. We bless the name of the Lord for yet another opportunity today to look into his word and to share on the topic that says, Behold, he comes. The topic says, Behold, he comes. And it's taken from the gospel that we read already. Our reverend read that gospel for us. That is Matthew 24, verses 36 to 41. So we're not going to read it again, I mean now, for want of time. But we're going to um, refer to it as time goes on and as the need, um, the, the, the need arises. Praise the Lord. If we look at our topic that says, Behold, He comes would understand that behold simply means to look, to see, you know, to perceive or even to observe. 
But not usually when something is very ordinary. There has to be something spectacular for you to start. Hey, behold, you know, there has to be something a little out of the ordinary. And, and so you're saying to somebody, hey, look, look, behold that, you know, that's really what that means. And then as I began to ponder over this, I, I realized that there are two perspectives from which we can look at the, the topic, behold, he comes. The first one is to indicate the arrival of the subject. We are talking about somebody that is coming, and then we say, behold, he comes. So if you look up, actually, you will see that person. That is one sense of it. But the other sense could mean a certainty that that person is going to come. You may not look and see that person physically, but in, in that sentence, there is, the, there is the understanding that this person will really, really, really come. It's no longer a question of probability. It is that that person would come for a certainty. Those are the two senses in which I want us to look at this and to bear it at the backs of our minds. So, and when we are, we are mostly Igbo people, and the Igbo people have a culture of um, hospitality, I, I must say. I, Nigerians, probably, but Igbos as well. So we, we prepare when somebody is coming to your house. When an important person is going to visit you, you'll find that you make preparations, you cook, you buy oji, manya, and all of that, because you have been informed that that person is coming, and so you're making preparations and you are awaiting the arrival of that person. If we, who are human beings, are able to prepare in that manner, you know, for somebody who is coming to visit us, how much more when we are being told that the Lord himself is coming, that the King of Kings is coming, how are we going to prepare for his coming? It does mean that a greater a greater effort at preparation, a greater awareness of that person coming should, be, should, um, should consume us. We should be overwhelmed by the fact that this important personality is coming and I need to be ready. Praise the Lord. I want us to very quickly, as I'm trusting that we are actually expecting and awaiting his arrival, let's see Second um, Peter 3 verse 11. Second Peter 3 verse 11 and I'm going to be reading in order to save time. And I'll be reading from the NIV version first. It says, Second Peter 3 verse 11. It says, Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. And if you move on to verse 12, it says, As you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming, I will jump 13 and go to 14. And 14 says, So, so then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. That is the NIV rendition. I would like to show us something in Amplified as well. The same Second Peter 3.11. In Amplified it says, since all those things are to be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be in the meantime that is now? In holy behavior, and then Amplified goes on to define for us what that holy behavior is. That is, in a pattern of daily life that sets you apart as a believer. I want to read that again for emphasis. Forgive me, you know I'm a teacher. 
this holy behavior that should be found in me while I'm waiting for the Lord to come. Amplify defines it thus. A pattern of daily life that sets you apart as a believer. And in godliness, and then he moves on to um, equally define godliness and says, displaying profound reverence toward our awesome God. Displaying profound reverence toward our awesome God. And in 14, Amplified says, So beloved, since you are looking forward to those things, be diligent and make every effort to be found by him at his return, spotless and blameless, in peace, that is, inwardly calm, with a sense of spiritual well-being and confidence, having lived a life of obedience to him. Praise the Lord. Verse 14 says, I'll take that again. Beloved, since you are looking forward to those things, be diligent and make every effort to be found by him at his return, spotless and blameless, in peace, that is inwardly calm with a sense of spiritual well-being and confidence, having lived a life of obedience to him. Praise the Lord. What are the issues that we can pick from this scripture before we leave this one and move? If you were paying attention, you would note several, several, several things there. First of all, as you look at that, I want to make a little detour. Actually, when I was praying and waiting on the Lord and saying, Lord, what are we going to say? What do you want to say to us? A phrase began to um, reoccur in my thoughts, and that was, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be. And as I thought of that, I didn't see any correlation. I didn't see any relationship between, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, with the topic and with what we are doing today. But as I kept, you know, trusting God to understand further, the understanding that he brought to me was that several of us in this congregation fit this description tag. Actually, when we say as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, who do we refer to? God. God. Only God should be so described. That description tag is meant for God and for God alone. But I could sense the Lord saying that several of us here also um, enjoy being described like that. And what do we mean by that? From January till December, you are the same. Nothing moves you. Whatever is being said is for them or for a, a particular category of people. You never sense that anything is being said to you. You are not ready to move. You are not ready to change. You are not ready to learn. You are not any, I mean, you come to church and it's very possible that your name is here in the book. The church knows you. But heaven does not have any record of growth for you. You are static. You are as you were in the beginning. That is how you are now. And that is how you are comfortable to remain. And the Lord is grieved in his spirit. That that would be a description tag for any of us here. Praise the Lord. One of my friends will usually say, when we're talking to some of our students, you know, when you teach in the higher institution, you see all kinds of things. And she will say, That's the way she puts it. That means, 
When you finish talking to them, you yourself listen to what you have said and carry what you have said and be going because the person you are saying it to is not hearing anything. And that is very tragic. That is very, very tragic. So some people even take pride in it. You know, they're happy that nothing is changing them. I will get back to that um, second Peter. A couple of weeks ago, our brother Zubi was sharing and he began to look at um, some of the, the, the topics that the Lord has brought our way this year. And he was recounting them. And as I was also, uh, you know, um, looking unto the Lord for this, I sensed to go back and look at some of the themes, not the topics for this year, but the themes that we have had over the past few years. Last year was 2019, and our theme was pressing toward the mark. 2018 was kingdom lifestyle. 2017 was prepared to meet thy God. 2016 was living by every word of God. 2014 was the greatest is love. 2013, holiness unto the Lord. I mean, look at these topics. It occurred to me that I'm in very serious trouble. For those that are joining us now, perhaps you don't have any problem. You can say, eh, I wasn't there. For all of us that have heard this, holiness unto the Lord, for instance, Sunday messages from January to December, midweek services from January to to December, Um, what's the other one? Bible study from January to December, holiness unto the Lord, being drummed into my ear. And it leaves me totally unmoved. And I'm very, very comfortable to continue to do things that I know are evil. If you were God, sincerely speaking, will you forgive such a person? Not to talk of God himself. You hear it, it's not that you're not hearing. Honestly, as I looked at this, I began to tremble in my spirit. Because it is clear that I will have to sit down and explain what I did with holiness unto the Lord from January to December. The labor that goes into it. What did I do? How will I account for it? Pressing towards the mark. Did I press towards anything? I sat where I was. Let them be pressing. And nothing moved around me. It is a very dangerous thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Praise the Lord. And so let's go back to Second Peter 3, 11 to 14. There is a particular kind of people we are meant to be. I think that is a given from that scripture. The scripture asked the question and it went on to offer explanation. It says, what manner of people ought you to be? Who, how should you be? He said, God is not leaving us without help. I'm coming back. But in the meantime, who should you be? How should you behave? And that's what we saw amplified, amplifying for us. So we saw it there. Because the Bible does not make me confused, the answer is provided. In the meantime, today, how do I live? Number one, we saw from Amplified is holy behavior. And it says, a pattern of daily living that sets me apart as a believer. What is it that sets you, my brother or my sister, apart as a believer? In everything, in everything we do, what is it that sets you apart as a believer? Several times when issues come, several, some of us will say, please hold on. Leave Christianity aside. How can you leave Christianity aside? There is, there is no distinction anymore between my life as a Christian and any other life. I shouldn't have two lives. 
it is that I'm a Christian and I'm a Christian through and through. And that means it affects everything I say. My thoughts, my word, my actions, everything must and should be affected by the fact of my being a believer. It says in daily living. In daily living. How do I conduct myself? How do I relate with people? How do I relate with my family? How do I relate in my workplace? Our reverend would always say that when vicinity evangelism is announced, several run away. Because, I mean, they know you're not a Christian at home. So how would they see you with these people? So you stay away. What is your life like? ICT, I would like us to um, please project that song for me. So while they are doing that, that scripture also says, it must be evident to all that I'm a believer. And my being a believer is not because I put a poster on my car, on my handbag, on my Bible. Whether you believe it or not, I'm a child of God. Frankly speaking, if they make those posters and, and put on your body from your head to your toe, it will not make any difference whether you're a child of God or not. I want us to look at this song. If I have not forsaken all, in answer to thy loving call, if I have kept something back from thee, Lord, give me light that I might see. I want us to ponder on that. That's the chorus. Lord, help me judge myself each day to walk this new and living way. I seek thy grace with all my heart to be made pure just as thou art. I'm going to attempt to sing the, the chorus. You know me and song now. But pardon me. But let's look at the second one. I seek thy grace with all my heart to be made pure just as thou art. If anything upon this earth attracts me with a sense of worth, are there things that are yet attracting us with their sense of worth? There are many. There are many. If money still has a hold on me, Lord, give me light that I might see. Let's get the third one, please. The third one, before we get the... If all my life revolves around me... You know, when I, I encountered the song, and I looked at this verse 3, I became afraid. If all my life revolves around me... You know, I reverend would always call it me, myself, and I. If all my life revolves around me, and thoughts of my own family, if I am living selfishly, Lord, give me light that I might see. We are talking about daily life. If I'm living selfishly, all I think about myself, my family, does it. Nothing else, nobody else matters. Look at this one. Is there some good I should have done? Is there some soul I should have won? Have I hurt someone thoughtlessly? Can you imagine that? Which means heaven is taking note of a good I should have done that I refused to do when the opportunity presented itself. Have I hurt someone thoughtlessly? Have I been careless in relating with people? Said things that will hurt and break their spirits? Lord, give me light that I might see. That's the last one. Let's see the chorus again. Lord, help me judge myself each day to walk this new and living way. I seek thy grace with all my heart to be made pure just as thou.
Thank you for bailing me out. Praise the Lord. My interest was in looking at the words of that song. What do they mean to me? That is how serious this matter of making heaven is. You know, if you're using daily guide, in the last several days, we're looking at the book of Lamentations. And as you're looking at some of the things that God said, I'm going to arise to do, you will be wondering, God, Biko, no God, Biko. When the anger of God is roused over his people, and I kept looking at those chapters, the only thing that brought God's people to that point was sin. It was just sin, nothing else. The kind that we have found ourselves in today, in the church and outside the church. Sin, that's what has brought us to that point. And if you go back to that scripture in Second Peter, from the Amplified, you remember it says, displaying, please let me read it again. Since all those things are to be destroyed in those two, what kind of people ought you to be in the meantime? In holy behavior. That is a pattern of daily life that sets you apart as a believer and in godliness. And it displays, it, um, it um, sorry, defines godliness as displaying profound reverence toward our awesome God. Several of us have no fear of God at all, very unfortunately. You see, there is a measure of fear of God that you would have. Whether anybody is saying anything or not, there are things you will not attempt to do. When our brother, Dr. Obi, was speaking a few weeks ago, he talked about praying in the things we have heard. And I wonder, how do I pray in what flies out before I get to the door of the church? For several of us at this time, and in this kind of church that we are in, I have to find a way of trapping the word of God that is coming Sunday after Sunday. I have to find a way. Because that is when I can sit down to begin to pray over them. So when I realize that I really don't have fear of God, it's a matter of prayer that I can go and sit down and begin to beg the Lord. Lord, I need for you to baptize me with your fear. Do you know those are the kind of prayers that God answers quicker than many of the things we are presenting before him? Those are the kind of prayers he wants to answer. Praise the Lord. So he says that I should display it. I should manifest it. It should be clear. It should be evident that I have fear of God. That I have respect and honor for God. Praise the Lord. And if I have fear for God, that means when God says do, I do. When he says don't, I will not do. And that also means that, you know, the Bible says that God desires truth in the innermost being. That's in Psalm 91. Me, I take that matter very seriously. When we are singing a song that I don't agree with, you know I don't sing it. It's only now that the Lord has helped me. When, before I began to really understand some things, whenever they sing, you know that song that says, Close to thee, close to thee, close to thee, close to thee, gladly will I toil and suffer. I will keep quiet. I don't want to suffer at all, not to talk of doing it gladly. So once we get there, I will keep quiet because, you know, when we confess and get what. So if I confess it, I will get it. So I stopped saying it. I will keep quiet. When we pass down, I'm not, this is the truth. Until the hand of the Lord came upon my life. And they understood the great privilege of having his presence. And so I could sincerely sing it. And mean it. That gladly will I toil and suffer. Only let me walk with you. Only permit me to walk with you. I will gladly toil and suffer. We need to have understanding. We are singing take my life and let it be. You are not intending for him to take any life. And you are singing it. 
These are the things that are going to stand in judgment over us. And we think it's all a play. It's not a play. It's, you must have an understanding of what you're saying and doing. It must be real. And then I understood that it's not my business to be shouting everything is double-double anymore. Because St. Paul said over and over again that suffering is an integral part of my work with the Lord. And I can't, even if I want to run away, I can't even run away anyway. So I might as well do it gladly. Abby, let me do it gladly to be better. It goes on to say, be diligent. Make every effort to be found spotless. Now let me tell you one of the things that I do. When I have this kind of scripture, I begin to pick each one one by one when I'm doing my study. Be diligent. What does it mean? Am I diligent? Lord, am I diligent in my pursuit of you? And you know I'm the only one that can answer that question for myself. And so I pick it one by one. I go on to do Make every effort to be found spotless. It's not a joke to be found spotless. And it says make every effort. Every single effort. It didn't say make a little effort. It didn't say make some. It said make every. And all the rest. I'm going to have to jump that for want of time. Let us see an example of those that made effort. In Matthew 5, verse 1, I'm going to read that. It says, And seeing the multitude, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Some versions say, When he climbed, Matthew 5, verse 1, Some say, When he went up, Others say, His disciples went to him, Others say, The disciples gathered around him. Let me read it for you from Message Bible. Matthew 5.1 When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed the hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his disciples. No, please listen, verse 2 in Message. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. That's the way message put it. What does that mean? We're talking about making effort. There was a large crowd everywhere. And Jesus decided to go up the mountain. We didn't see that he told anybody, please don't come up. It was only his disciples that followed and went up. They climbed. You know, Jesus climbed. To climb a mountain requires effort. The disciples made the effort. The crowd didn't. They remained in, down at the valley where it was easy. Jesus was not deceived by those huge crowds. He knew that they were just coming for what they would benefit from him. But he needed to teach critical kingdom principles. And in these chapters, we have what, what has been called the Sermon on the Mount. That is uh, Matthew chapters 5 to 7. And they are also described as the kingdom lifestyle. Note that every one of the teachings there, every one is for you and for me. Every one of those things. That is the lifestyle that we use, lived in the kingdom. I happen to belong to a Bible study group that from time to time, when this kingdom lifestyle is being studied, it could, be, it could last for two years or more. You can pick up just one verse of it and you're studying it for one whole month, one verse. And we are praying and saying, Lord, this thing must become life for me. 
It's for all of us, the kingdom lifestyle. But note that only a few people made the effort to climb up there where Jesus taught it. That is not to say that the others didn't hear it. They heard it. Because if you go to chapter, uh, verse 28 of that same chapter, 7 of um, chapter 7 verse 28 now, it says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Because he taught as one who had authority. So they heard, and they, their own reaction was that they were amazed. That is their own concern. Ah, this teaching was wonderful. But what did it benefit them? You will see their interest. They heard him. As soon as he came down, look at their concern and interest. In chapter 8, verse 1, immediately, when Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came. Interesting, Abby. People are collecting kingdom principles. This man's problem is that I'm a leper. I want my healing. He came. Did he collect his healing? He did. He collected it and went away. So these people in the crowd were saying, Jesus, be up on that mountain. We are waiting. When you finish, you will come down here and meet us. And meet us at the point of our need. And he did. He came down and met them at the point of their need. But the principles of the kingdom were lost on them. I want to quickly go on. In verse 5, a centurion came asking for help. Verse 14, 15, 16. People were coming and asking for help and receiving help. He gave them, you that you are here this morning, what are you looking for? What did you come to behold? Are you preparing for his coming? Behold, he comes. Is part of your agenda for coming to continue to be prepared for this coming? Or is it just for prayer? I have prayer points, so please don't think I don't have. I have. But if that remains the only focus of my life at this time, then I need to be pitied. Praise the Lord. We have a challenge of totally believing the word of God. Or you may believe it partially. You don't really believe all of it. How do I know that? I mean, I just said there's a challenge. We believe, we believe partially, or we don't even believe at all. How do I know? Let's go to John 6. John 6, verse 60, 61, 66, 67, and 68. I'll read some of them and jump them and jump some. In verse 60, we read that, you know, a discussion, let me give you a background. A discussion had been going on between Jesus and his um, disciples. He said something. They didn't like what he said. They didn't like what he said at all. And they reacted. In verse 60, many among his disciples heard this and said, This is tough teaching. Too tough to swallow. This is hard. Some scriptures say this is a hard saying. Who can bear it? They didn't want that. Amplified says this is a difficult and harsh and offensive statement. Who can be expected to listen to it? I'm not talking of the crowd now. I'm talking of the disciples are the ones asking this. So it could have been us and Jesus in our relationship with him at the moment. And we, he says something to us. And we turned and said, Papa, ah, I'm Babiko. This thing is harsh. It is offensive. It is, what's the third word? It is difficult. Nobody can take this thing you said. And then, that scripture was careful to say, many of his disciples, I don't know if we're that many. You who is being alerted to behold the coming of the Lord, do you still find it difficult to appreciate his word? Are there things we hear from the pulpit or we read and we still find them hard and difficult and harsh and unacceptable and all of that? Is it possible that at this time it is still happening to us? When I was in Ibadan many years back, a reverend would always say something that I later understood was true. That if you are in his church, sitting under his 
teaching and you're finding it difficult to submit yourself to the leadership that you should please go to another church that he won't have any problem with you the problem is that so long as you're in that state that you never get blessed here your name will be there you're active but you're taking offense and you're finding it difficult to submit to his leadership go away go to another church where you'll be blessed and it's true if you're at that point where some things are offensive to you and difficult and harsh and all that you're in trouble you're in serious trouble. You know, that matter didn't end there. Jesus knew they were complaining. He even knew, some, and some translations say they were grumbling. So he says, does this cause you to stumble and take offense? And then he says in verse 64, Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe. I said, Lord, there are many troubles for us. So. Jesus was talking to disciples and said, I know which ones amongst you don't believe. And, and they're called disciples. That's my problem. They're called disciples. So even amongst us who are born again, who are called children of God, God knows those that are not born again. No. In the spirit, he knows. But everyone considers that we are born again. And that we are living right. I mean, as far as this place is concerned. But the Lord knows. No wonder that scripture says, the person that named the name of the Lord should depart from iniquity. Because God knows those that are his. He knows. And so he was talking to disciples and telling them, I know those that don't believe. And you know, when, during the last supper, when he said something, like all of them started saying, Lord, is it I? Lord, I said, Lord, am I among those that believe? Am I among those that don't believe? So that I won't be doing all these things and heaven is recording, she doesn't believe. I mean, I don't even know it. And you know, if those who were passing with Jesus, people were pointing at them, I see disciples, see disciples, see disciples. And yet they were not, heaven had no record of them. May the Lord grant us help in Jesus' name. And the, the, this dialogue didn't end though. It continued. And in verse 64, something happened. Many of his disciples went back and worked no more with him. Amplified says, as a result of this, many of his disciples abandoned him and no longer worked with him. Message says, after this, a lot of his disciples left. They no longer wanted to be associated with him. Are you here? But you have abandoned the Lord in your heart, in your lifestyle, in your preferences, in your choices. Have you abandoned the Lord? What is your present relationship with him? Behold, he comes. Behold, he comes. Where, my brother, my sister, are you standing? Jesus did one final thing. He now turned. As his disciples were abandoning him. He turned and said to the twelve, at least those ones in the inner circle, Are you people also going to go away? And then our brother Peter gave a profound answer. He said, To whom shall we go, Lord? Thou hast the worth of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ. You know, I had been reading that thing before. It was only now that I realized that he says, Thou art that Christ. Not thou art the Christ. Thou art that Christ. That particular Christ. That's what makes the difference. Are we saying that to him? Have we come to the point of saying, where else will I go to? Actually, until I begin to understand that I have nowhere else to go, I cannot begin to go forward. You know our brother that went to pour water on the hand of the prophet, Elijah, Elisha, I keep mixing them up. When, he, when the prophet passed and poured his mantle over him, he, and he, he turned aside following him, he said, what did I do to you? Please go back. He went back. 
and slaughtered all his um, animals, slaughtered the, the, the cat for pulling the oxen. He was a successful businessman. Why did he do that? So that there would be no temptation for him to go back. You and I must burn bridges. Except we burn bridges, we we'll always have options and things we want to fall back on. Burn bridges. Burn bridges. That way you can move forward. That way you can press on. It's very, very critical that we burn bridges. So this one said they had nowhere else to go. Until we get to that point, we are yet in trouble. I want us to go to um, Matthew. That was our main text before we, we, we end. It says that the coming of the Lord will be like in the days of Noah. What happened in the days of Noah? People were going about their normal businesses. Like we're doing today. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying. They were doing all kinds of things. But something happened. In the midst of all those activities, that ark was built. And Noah entered it. And the Lord shut them in. Which tells me that in the midst of all these things happening now, there is an ark that we need to enter. And the Lord must shut us in there. There is an ark that we must enter. There is an ark. Noah and his family members knew where the ark was. Do you know where the ark is? Because for you to enter an ark, you have to know where the ark is located. There is an ark that we must enter and be shot in at a time like this. Marriages will be going on. In fact, when I look at these things these days, I don't have difficulty understanding it anymore. Why not? Because... We were busy going around, doing weddings, doing parties, working, doing our businesses, and Corona landed. Yes or, yes or no? It happened. Abby, was there any prior announcement? Prepare or something strange is going to happen. Was there anything like that? No, you are not answering me. I'm a teacher. Answer me now. Praise the Lord. There was nothing like that. We were just going about our normal activities. All of a sudden, bam, it landed. And in our own generation, we saw with our eyes something that has never happened before. It happened right before us. So it made it very easy for my heart to connect and understand those things very, very well. He's just walking around. He says he will come like a thief in the night. Two people will be walking, one will be taken. This, it, it could just happen like that. We saw it. They were using um, trucks to cut human corpses as if they were carrying blocks. Human beings that perished during the corona outbreak. And it is still like that. They're just that the Lord showed us mercy. Praise the Lord. So we need to think about this. And it says again in that same Matthew 24. Therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 4-6 it says, But you brothers and sisters are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep. The Bible says, because he's going to come, we should not be like others who are asleep. We should not be like them. This matter of not being like others cannot be overemphasized. We have been called out to a totally different lifestyle, and we must understand it. Recently, something happened um, where I work, and um, I began to feel that um, they, were, they were treating me very unfairly, and... I, I was in a position to go there and go and warn all of them very seriously. I was in a position to do that. But the Lord restrained me totally. Ah, it was like he broke my hand and my leg. 
and didn't give me the permission to do so. I looked at it, I looked at it. He wouldn't bulge. I left the matter. Later, as I was pondering over this message, I remembered, Lord said, but you go to that place to go and preach. Wouldn't you rather be cheated? Wouldn't you rather be wrong? I preached it here several times. And it was test time. Maybe I'm the one that shouts, wouldn't you rather be cheated? So now that I'm being cheated, why do I want to open my mouth? I kept quiet. Let them cheat me. Let them wrong me. That's fine. The reality of what we're saying has to become life for us. That's the truth. That is the truth. If I went there to talk, they would have said, but God, why? You can't, don't go there. Don't say anything. Praise the Lord. It says in Deuteronomy 18.9, and we're going to be done soon. When you enter the land the Lord your God has given you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations where, you know, where these people are. Why do I have to learn? You know, we live in a time when we learn from the world. The world does not learn from us. The world sets standards and we are sheepishly following those standards. We are not bold enough to stand and do what we ought to do. And the Lord is calling, out, calling us out to be separate. He says, come out from among them and be separate. And Deuteronomy 18, 18, 13 says, you must be blameless before the Lord your God. This matter of being blameless is a very, very serious one. God is not making a joke. And in verse 14b, I'm going to share with you something that I have found very helpful in my own life. And it answers many questions for me. And I'm talking about Deuteronomy 18, 14b. God was talking to his children and saying, don't copy these people. Don't do the detestable things. And in 14b he says, but as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do so. Finish. As for you. So when you're telling me, but these people do it, and those, ah, it's not my business. My simple answer is that the Lord, my God, has not permitted me so to do. God, they, they may say they have permission. I, I wasn't there when they were talking with God. Me, me, God has not permitted me to do the same thing. And I pray that we'll begin to ask, Lord, are you permitting me to do this thing? And that particular scripture, the understanding, settles many matters for you. Is it right? Is it not right? Is it, um, you know, what we call disputable matters? What we call matters that you cannot say, yes, it is wrong. The question is, has God permitted you to do it? And that settles it for you. If he permits you, fine. And if he doesn't, why do it? Praise the Lord. Do you still go about doing what God has not permitted you to do? Behold, he comes. Ours is the life of separation unto the Lord, who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And in 2 Corinthians 6:17. The Lord insists, wherefore come out from among them and be separate. And touch not the unclean thing and I'll receive you. And I'll be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, said the Lord Almighty. So my shouting up and down that I'm a child of God does not make me a child of God. What makes me out of a child of God is my separation unto him. So he can look and know that this one belongs to me. As we separate ourselves unto him and await his soon coming, what are we supposed to be doing? In First um, Timothy 4.7, Paul was saying to um, um, Timothy, Refuse profane and old wives' um, fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. NIV says, train yourself to be godly. Are you training yourself, my brother and my sister who is here? Are we training ourselves to be godly? The other day, our brother... Um, Reverend Ezali talked about where he went for a meeting and some people were studying one man talked about how he studied the scripture I think in two months, finished the Bible and he was challenged 
and came back and began to do his own. And I said, ah, I will start too. Let me at least start something. And I started reading three chapters every night. I'm not very, very proud to say that I, I didn't continue. I started, but I didn't continue. But at least I started now. That's better than not starting at all. Praise the Lord. But there must be growth. I will share one that I, I, I succeeded in. Um, there's a brother that is a very close friend of ours in this church. He, he, he comes to teach us um, Holy Ghost baptism, um, the power of the Holy Ghost most of the time. And I happened to be in a prayer meeting with him. And he said that he was, he was sick. He had taken medication until he began to sense in his spirit that that sickness was going to, was just the devil trying to afflict him and immobilize him. So he got up middle of the night one day and realized that this is not a matter for medicine. So he got up and talked for two hours straight, speaking in tongues. I heard it, it registered in my head. And I went home. After a while, I started having a pain in my leg. I remember I kept harassing my brother, Dr. Eke Pazu. There was no visible thing, but my, head was, my leg was actually hurting. Sometimes the pain would be very intense, sometimes it would be small, but it was there. And he continued, did you fall? No. Did you anything hit you? No, nothing. And sometimes it's so intense that I'm, I'm hop, uh, you know, hopping. But one night, as I got up to go and pee, I recognized at once that the pain had come to my second leg. And a thought flashed through my mind. Satan will cripple me. I don't know how it happened, but that was what happened to me. Middle of the night, there was nobody. Satan will cripple me. Maybe because I know somebody who lost use of both his legs. I don't know. That, I was frightened. I got up. I said, hey, that brother said he prayed in the spirit. Let me, let me pray in the spirit. So I began to pray in the spirit. I didn't get to two hours, so, but I got to one and a half. Praying in the spirit straight. And by morning till today, that was how that pain went. Praise the Lord. So at least I succeeded in doing one. So, praise the Lord. My time is up. So, what is it that we're saying? Let there be a spiritual exercise. Let there be growth. I was given an assignment to do in one study that I'm taking, and the person said we should study the book of um, Proverbs. And when that person is teaching you, he has such a deep insight into the Word of God, and that is actually the course he teaches, getting insight from the Word of God. And he gave us an assignment, read the book of Proverbs, come up with three insights. And taught us how to go about it and how to pray. So I went back and said, God, you usually, we were usually told you don't have any favorites. I too want to collect insights or this thing. And it was during the corona, I, I missed if I would get my own. And I prayed and I said, okay, let me do one day, you know, one chapter a day. Proverbs has 31 chapters, let me do one chapter a day. And I began to do one chapter a day. But God saw the sincerity of my prayer and he came to help me. I realized I couldn't do one chapter in a day. When I started to write in my notes, the insights were so plenty that I couldn't do a chapter. So I will, I will now break at a convenient place and tomorrow I will continue. And I ended up doing that for about six weeks, a little over six weeks. And I was excited. And I will share with anyone close to me, come and see, myself. I'm collecting profound insights. Myself, I'm collecting, what are we talking about? As it was in the beginning, so is now, so shall it be. Make an effort. Make an effort. Get up and make an effort. You never can tell what would happen. Make an effort. The year is ending. We're told how many people have you, how many souls have you brought to the Lord? I was traveling last week and my, I, I didn't meet up. My, my time schedule did not allow me to travel with my, my colleagues. I had to go in public transport. The first day I entered, I, 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 did, um, I shared the word of God, prayed, and made altar call. People responded, though. You know Nigerian roads are very bad. 
And everybody is afraid of accidents and dying. So they responded and I was happy. Two days after, I was traveling to Mahia again and we got into ABC. As soon as we got in, I began to share the word of God. I prayed and shared the word of God. And again, to my joy, people responded. And, but that was not all that happened. When I finished and kept quiet, a gentleman sitting at the back of the bus said, Praise the Lord. And he began to bless me. And he said, he, 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 he turns out he's an SU, an elder in SU. And he said that he planned to share the word of God. But that I had done it. So he encouraged those that gave their lives to Christ to stand. And for some reason, the man began to bless me. And I said, so if I didn't speak now, this man would not have blessed me. I don't know who he is, but we like collecting blessings. So I was collecting all the blessings. And I was happy. But something else taught me a lesson that day. If God had expected me to preach in that bus, and I kept quiet, God had an alternative. I was humbled. God had an alternative. And that man would have preached and said, hey, I, I, meant, I meant to, I meant to. You keep preparing, looking at the people. Who is here? Will I really, will I? and somebody else does it. May the Lord not keep finding alternatives for us in Jesus' name. Finally, 2 Corinthians 5, 8, 9 says, So we make it our goal to please him. Behold, he comes. As we await his coming, what are we doing? Make it your goal. Um, amplified calls it make it your constant ambition to be pleasing to God make it your constant ambition to be pleasing to God remember that our brother Enoch had a testimony what was the testimony that he bought many cars and he was made senator no his testimony was that he pleased the Lord and if he comes truly only those that have pleased him would be with him when it becomes my goal and my ambition to please him, then 2 Corinthians 8.21 will become true in my life. And that scripture is one scripture that I love very much. It says, we will be taking pains to do what is right. Not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. We will be taking pains to do right. Doing right is not always easy, but we can indeed take pains to do what is right. Would you like to speak to the Lord this morning? Are you ready for his coming? And if you're not, perhaps... This is yet another opportunity to begin to amend your ways. To begin to plead with the Lord to help you. You know that the scripture says that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. They are new every morning. His love for us is renewed this morning. He is waiting to grant help to us again. Maybe you are here and you are not even born again. Your own matter is a special case. Maybe you're not born again. You, don't have, you haven't received the capacity. You haven't received the ability to please him at all. Your prayers, the Bible says, are an abomination to the Lord. If you know you're not yet born again, please, there is no shame in this matter. You need to give your life to Christ this morning. You need to beg him to have mercy on you. Behold, he comes. Whether I like it or not, he's going to come. Whether I believe it or not, it will not change anything. I would like to invite you this morning to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I would like to invite you to look into your own life. What is your life like? You will not be able to take pains to do what is right. You cannot do that. Unless the Lord has begun to help your life. Many, many things. You may say, I'm not doing very grievous things. What about small, small things? The other day I was here, somebody passed me in Okada and was shouting, I mean on it, I mean on it, and he's right here in Enugu, and he's lying. Are we still telling lies? What is your life like? 
amend your ways. This is the day of salvation. If you hear his word, harden not your heart. If you hear his word, harden not your heart. I'm going to ask our reverend to pray for us that indeed he would find us ready and waiting when he comes. Lord, I give you my life. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every step Presenting your body, your mind, your spirit, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. Because seeing that everything will be dissolved, what manner of people ought we to be in all holiness, in all godliness, in living a life that points directly to Jesus? Are there punctures in that life? Are you already out of the line? Even this morning, yesterday, this passing week, action, thoughts, words, inclinations, associations that you know did not speak well of you as a child of God. That's why you are telling God, forgive me, cleanse me, cleanse me, cleanse me, forgive me. I lay them aside. I give you my life. I surrender my thoughts, my actions, my ways. I want to be ever ready. Short account with you. Seeing that these things will go. And seeing that lo, he will surely and shortly come. Noah entered the ark. Because he was ready. Preparing. Tell the Lord, I do not want to miss. Events have all shown that the end is near. It's not an opium for the masses. It's not just a hype that comes seasonally. This brings you right into it. Lord, I don't want to miss heaven. I don't want to miss your company. I drop this. I lay that aside. The foundation of God remains sure. Having this seal that all. As the Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone that names the name of the Lord. Depart from iniquity. 
Depart from ungodliness. Depart from worldliness. Depart from comparing himself with others. Depart from just living for the moment. Are you here this morning and the Spirit of God has spoken clearly to you? You are not a child of God. Your name is not yet in the book of life. You do not have a witness that you belong to Christ. Rather, you had a witness that you are not yet born again. We don't need to stress this further. Just respond to that spirit and raise up your hand. This is the time of salvation. God knew about you. This is the acceptable time. Don't let it delay anymore. You don't have your own time. Just raise your hands. Are you answering a name that you are a Christ? But God himself does not know you. He just knows you as a creature. Nothing more. Not his own child. Not his own people. You want to be sure. And have your sins forsaken and forgiven. And drawn to Christ. And have a witness of his spirit. Please raise your hand where you are. It's not a time for being ashamed. The only thing to be ashamed of is that you have gone on this too long in pretense without knowing that you don't belong where heaven is beckoning on you. And so you quickly drop that garment. Can you raise your hand where you are? Let's pray together with you and let the Spirit finish His work and complete it. And great joy is coming in your hearts and coming your way. Is there any hand that is up? Father, we yield ourselves to you. Father, we yield our hearts to you. Lord, we yield our lives to you. May every day, consciously, as you give us the privilege of one more day after another. People are dying. They are dying by the day. They are dying by the minute. They are dying by the hour. They are dying by the second. One of us here, and in Chuku Dixon was still alive a week ago. By the early hours of just the next day on Monday, he was gone into eternity. Unexpectedly, perhaps, to many of us. And yet, Lord, we are privileged to be alive. And we have yet this day. We have tomorrow, if you please. But we don't know when Jesus is coming. And you have demanded of us to bring our lives a living sacrifice already sold out. Have your way. Take control of our soul, of our mind, of our body, of our decision, of our actions, of our will, of our association, of our proposals. And Lord, in any of them that you cannot be found, Lord, we today lay them aside in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, in any of our actions that iniquity has been found and associated, that presumption that we belong has been found, and we have long strayed, or we are partially straying, and the Spirit is telling us, you are veering off, 
this is not of a child of God. You are not preparing for Jesus coming. And this morning, you are laying it to our heart. One by one, O oh God, we repent of them, we forsake them, and we lay them aside in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, have your way in us. Lord, have your way in us. Lord, have your way in us. Every step we take, every moment we are alive, every of the minutes, hours, days, weeks, you still privilege us to live. Our times are in your hand. Our breath is not even our own. We live at your mercy, at the back of your mercy and privilege. Lord, cause us now to live every of those moments in the light of eternity in the name of Jesus Christ. Cause us to live in expectation that he who has died and paid the price for our redemption can appear anytime. And is only coming to take away those who have lived and maintained their Christ-likeness. His nature while here. In the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, pour upon us afresh a grace and mercy to live rightly, soberly, and even godly in this present corrupt and crooked generation. In the name of Jesus. That the grace that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And has already dedicated us, impacting us, giving us the power and the willingness to live. Make us willing to live to your glory, to live to your pleasure, to live in godliness, to live in company with the spirits. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. May no one hear. May no one hear, Lord. May no one hear. Miss heaven. And miss at the coming of our Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Be with your daughter. Unction her the more. Commit her to living more for you. And make the words you have used her to speak. Greater blessing. That her life will not stand in condemnation. May her and the children and the house and the work you've given her, they will live to your glory the rest of the days of her life in Jesus' name.